0: The following podcast is a part of radiomisfits.com.
1: From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Couture, Bart Hanson, and Brian
2: Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week.
1: Oh, I like it. That was a good pour. Thank you so much. Brian, what are you playing there, buddy? Because I'm still in love with you. A little Neil Young.
2: Not too you. long because, uh, you know, the copyright people will probably come <laughs> <this. laughs> out. Hey,
1: everybody, welcome to uh, The Winemakers. I'm John Myers, sitting with my really good friends, Brian Casey and Bart Hansen. Today's guest, great. Thanks for coming on. Trust getting from. Robert Bialy in Napa, you make beautiful wines, Dress.
3: Thank you, you sir. You really do. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm glad I'm glad you think so. I hope others think so. Uh, oh, yeah.
1: I can <laughs> guarantee they do.
3: <laughs> my, my
2: first introduction to Bialy Wines was at Zap, I would say. Yeah. You yeah. know, maybe you'd heard about it here and there, but uh, years and years of going to Zap and everybody else was going to the three R's and I was heading right to B. Um, I was always an early, early big fan of black chicken and, and that. So sure. Yeah.
3: Bart yeah. was
0: telling this story before you came on. Cause, cause I said, how do, how do you know these wines? He said, Oh man, these, <laughs> these are those Zins
3: you want to be doing. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yeah. And he's yeah. a
0: Zin maker. So I figured he knows what it oh, then talking he, about. Yeah. Then
3: that, yeah. that really, that, that really means something then. So thank you. Yeah. You
0: have all sides here. You
1: got Bart who's a winemaker and Brian who's in uh, sommelier and in service and I met him at Girl in the Fig.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm the consumer. I'm the lucky one.
3: <laughs> I like it on that side of the table. Yeah. It is. It's really
1: nice trust Seriously. So, yeah. it's like, <laughs> no. um,
2: so here, here we are on November 6th. And um, uh, you're just coming off harvest, or all your grapes in?
3: Uh, they are, and thanks for reminding me what day it is. It's yeah, it's been it's yeah. been it's, a long one. It's run. a Tuesday. It's uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Only a Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. it's every day's a Monday, man. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, no, it's great. We are. We're coming down the other side of the hill. Um, we have all of our fruit in, and so what I'm doing now is uh, today we're pressing a couple of lots off skin and barreling a couple of lots down to barrel and. And uh, putting them to bed. Hopefully. How many?
2: How many more lots and skins?
3: I only have four more. Oh, so congratulations! I'm ho- yeah, thanks. I'm hoping to have the last press load in on Friday, uh, just in time to celebrate for the weekend. My first weekend off in a long, long time. So yeah, that's the, the incentive. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you have a gig? You're playing?
3: <laughs> no, I. You know, I was smart enough not to book one on this weekend, but I have been playing quite a bit. And uh, you know, to try and squeeze that in between all the chaos, it keeps you busy. That's for sure. But it's, it also is my, it's my uh, psychological savior. Uh, it's my stress relief, if you will. Oh, it has to be. All. You yeah. know,
2: it's funny when I worked for the Benzigers. Um, Imagery Winery is right next to Arrowood, and um, when Richard was still at Arrowood, he'd come down uh, during the day, and he'd have to walk through our property to get back to his where his well was and stuff. And on uh, every once in a while, he'd walk through and he'd just kind of give you a little nod and you'd walk into the back and you'd hear a bunch of shots fire off. And mm-hmm. he'd take his pistol down there and have a little target practice. And then he'd go back yeah. to work. And we used to always say that's how Richard dealt with harvest <laughs> was, you know, fire off a few rounds. Yeah, so, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever it takes. Everybody right?
3: has their right. method. Sure. Yeah.
1: Tress, you have such a beautiful place here. We're in the guest cottage. It's a stunning day outside.
3: It it's is just absolutely
1: beautiful. It's yeah. early November and it's about eighty degrees outside. <laughs> like may sunny yeah. it really does yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you have uh, you just posted something you were doing a gig with uh, Chuck Lavelle
3: yes yes
1: all, all Allman Brothers and Rolling Stones
3: yeah okay. Yep. and he he also played with uh, David Gilmore from Pink Floyd he played oh gosh <laughs> I mean the list goes on and on so where was Eric Clapton uh, this was a gig. It was a, a fundraiser um, uh, gig at uh, it was at Silver Oak Winery up in uh, uh, Oakville, and so one of my bandmates. I'm in a band of uh, of uh, a group called the Silverado Pickups, and our band is a group of vintners. We're all um, winemakers or in the wine business in some capacity. We have vineyard owners, we have vintners, winemakers. So there's a group of us, and um, we get together. Um, Uh, you know a couple times a month and uh, you know we we have to have the funnest rehearsals in the world Uh, I I can't see it being any better with all the wine and food (laughs) and the properties and the views and it's just we're pretty spoiled um, but we actually, you know, we don't suck that bad either. We actually get some music <laughs> done, and uh, we have a great time, and we're, we're pretty darn good. We get invited to a lot of um, really fun festivals. We played Bottle Rock this last summer. Nice. Uh, nice. We, we've played uh, with Emeril Legasse for his uh, big thing out in New Orleans right. uh, in front of the Superdome, and um, we've played in uh, Destin, Florida with him as well at another event, and... Um, And we've been in Nashville, um, and just it kind of played all around. um, And, you know, our big thing is um, helping to raise money for charities, especially local in the community. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It really is. And so anyway, so the Chuck Lavelle thing came up. David uh, had a, um, there was a, a wine auction in Naples, Florida, the big one that they have right. out there each year. So one of the auction lots was to have your group of friends come out to Silver Oak and we'll do a big private dinner um, with all the, the wines and, um, and then Chuck will come and do a private performance for this group. And um, he asked if we would play along with them for the second half of the show and of course, right. We're not going to say no to that. It was a, no, th- it was a thrill. Not really. Wow, it, it was uh, it was something of a lifetime. I I'll, I'll, I'll never forget That's it. Awesome. It was really fun. And we did awesome. a bunch of cool Stone songs and um, a lot of old blues stuff and a couple of Allman Brothers things yeah. and yeah, it was neat. It were really...
2: you are you are you a Beatles guy or a Stones guy?
3: You know, it it goes back and forth. It's yeah. it's I revisit, you know. I started as a Beatles guy and and uh, flopped over to the Stones and then went back to the Beatles. Yeah. And now I'd say I'm in the, the Stones phase now for sure, especially yeah. after just right, getting exactly. bit by Chuck <laughs> there. But, uh, a little more energy there. Isn't a there? lot oh, more. So. Yeah. But, you know, it's it, the the quality and the talent of all of those recordings are just incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Hey, so could you, um, could you get us started a little bit on Bialy Winery and how it came to happen and um, and then know, how you got and, here and mm-hmm. then and then yeah and then we'll move into to how you got here but first if you could kind of just a little history about um the yeah. family and stuff
3: yeah yeah it's a it's a great uh history a great story so um you know bob bialy um who um obviously the owner uh was uh his grandfather uh, is the one who who founded uh the vineyard so he um immigrated uh from uh, italy in the 1930s and um, found himself up on Mount Veeder uh, making wine up there um, and kind of cutting his teeth on viticulture and ended up uh, purchasing um, a small plot uh, just down the street from our winery here, it's literally about a mile up the road, Um, and um, started uh, making, uh, well, first of all, he planted it right when he bought the property which was in 1937, to some Zinfandel and some spatterings of other um, funky varietals, which we call field blends, right. that are mixed in their Alicante and, uh, you know, Aboreo and uh, Grenache and, and other interesting things. Um, but anyhow, so he, um, he planted this vineyard, and along with that, some uh, prunes uh, walnuts um, and they had produce a big uh, produce garden and they raised chickens for eggs they were basically farmers um, mm-hmm. but these were they were farmers uh, who made their living um, by by the community selling their, their produce to locals and um, you know at that time it was a little bit difficult especially if you were um, an Italian immigrant and were trying to stay under the under the radar of, of um, selling things especially grapes uh, or wine specifically um, they did sell their their grapes to the co-ops back in mm-hmm. the day um, and um, you know especially after you know after prohibition uh, you wanted to kind of keep that on the down low for a while at least let the dust settle right and of course if you didn't want to pay taxes and other things like that um, that that was the way to go Right. Um, so you know when Bob's father, Aldo Biali, was just a teenager, uh, I believe he was only 13 years old, he, um, his father, um, Bob's grandfather, passed away in a, a quarry mining accident because he, he worked in a quarry to, to make a little extra money on the side. And um, there was an accident. He passed away, and Aldo very quickly realized he, he needed to be the big boy... And uh, strap on the boots and run the run the farm, run the ranch, yeah. and so with time, with that he pretty quickly realized that um, you could make a lot more money selling jugs of wine than tons of grapes, um, a lot more. And so he started making uh, little amounts of Zinfandel from the property in the barn, and was selling it kind of under the table to the local neighbors. And uh, you know, word got out because this was pretty good juice apparently, and. Uh, the phone orders started coming in, and they had the old party lines back then, when you know all the neighbors could pick yeah. up and hear. Yeah. So he knew, uh, you know, I better come up with a, a code word here, uh, so we don't get caught. And uh, so it became black chicken. If you called in your produce order and ordered a black chicken on the side, they'd sneak a jug of this wine in your basket.
1: Now that's a and, good idea. Man. It really is.
3: <laughs> so that's you know that's the that's kind of the 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 story in a nutshell it's um uh it's such a great story and it's so fitting of this family um i got to know uh, bob's uh, uh mother very well clementina over the years before she passed and um and she you know the bialy family they're just salt of the earth and they're just such uh, great people and kind-hearted and and it's just it's such a great story for you yeah. can, you can totally imagine it. They're just that kind of um, uh, farming family. And Bob is, is the same. He's just, um, he's just a, a, a working farmer who um, knows how to grow really good grapes. And so that's where I come in. Um, it, he has taught me so much in the vineyard over the last several years. And um, it, that's been a wonderful experience. So I came here to Bialy in 2013. Okay. So I just finished my sixth harvest. And um, like I said, I've been following Bob around um, in the vineyard, just soaking it all up and learning as much as I can. Um, I had the cellar experience, um, but I didn't have that viticulture side. And now I really feel like I've kind of rounded out my, my career quite nicely here, um, working with all these amazing vineyards and learning under Bob.
2: I've always said it's probably easier to go from the vineyard into the winery or from gro- grape growing to winemaking than it is winemaking into grape growing. Yeah, I would agree. You know, really yeah, just because there's, it, it, just kind of the natural progression seems simpler. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're already made wine and not spent much time in the vineyard, you kind of have preconceived notions, and then they get destroyed when you actually have to watch the plant grow. Yeah, it,
3: it's great. That's a yeah. great way to think of it, and I agree. I mean, you, it doesn't really start to make sense until you understand right. the growing aspect of right. it. It's, um, it's kind of be kind of like learning, uh, you know. Learning classical music and then playing rock and roll—you know—you've got to, you've got to know the rules before you can break them, yeah. and so um, that's the way I look at viticulture. Yeah. Those are the rules. That's the foundation, and so okay. yeah, it really is. Yeah, you know, and,
1: and we're, we're all about, you know, I mean, Bart owes us all a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so if your phone goes off on the air, that's
3: it. Uh oh, yeah. I got to turn mine off then. Yeah.
1: Well, oh, I think you're about to pay us off ahead of time.
3: <laughs> yes. From the looks of the table. So. Well, we better. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, let's pour us some wine and talk about it. Um, I've got a great Zinfandel here. This is a uh, 2016 God. Grande Vineyard Grazie. Zinfandel. Grazie,
1: Grazie,
0: Are you guys on a well here?
3: We are. Yes. Yeah. We have a a great. Uh, Damn, that smells good.
0: Beautiful. Is that, and is that the water that we were drinking? Is that coming out of the well? Uh,
3: y- yes, it is, actually. Yeah, sure. you can smell it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, Uh-oh, that's not good. <laughs> no, no, it's it's just it's a, a pure it's smell. A, it's no, a, it is. It's very clean. We have an um, ultraviolet light system, yeah. and uh, it's triple filtered. And, yeah, it's, it's actually it's kind of the the secret to our wine you know talk about a house style or how you know how yeah. breweries have their their special water sources right. well this is kind of the I've same. seen the Coors commercial yeah. <laughs> Coors
1: and remember
0: Olympia out of Washington right Tumwater right. Washington it's the water
3: it is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny
0: it was just a childhood smell when i smelled that water cuz my my cousin lived on a well for a long time in Petaluma and it, there's just a certain there's something yeah. about water that comes out of the earth that right. just has a certain smell to mm-hmm. it. It's not a funky smell or a bad smell. It's just no, a I certain smell. I are there, are
3: yeah. there huge aquifers under Napa? Oh yeah. Yeah. All over the place. Um, you know, one of the the biggest uh, aquifers is up on top of Atlas peak. Um, in fact, where stagecoach vineyard now sits, that's an underground river up there. And uh, when Jan Krupp was trying to um, develop that vineyard, he Tried to find the water. He knew it was up there because when you're driving up there, you can see it leaking out of the side of the, the roadway. And, um, but they couldn't find it. And he, he called in all of these engineers from all over the world, and they, they went to three different spots and dug down you know, 200 feet and nothing. And he was about to throw in the towel on the project, and somebody said, oh, you should, uh, you should try a water witch. And he mm-hmm. thought it was kind of a joke, but he, he did. He brought in a water witch. And this person, she goes out there. And with the divining rod and, um, goes to the same three places and says, the water's here. You just didn't go down deep enough. So he calls everybody back in. They go down another hundred feet and boom, hit an underground river. Yeah. So there's, I like that story. It's a lot. Yeah. It's cool. (laughs) And, um, so
2: on that note, then maybe that's a good, before you came to Bialy, could you give us a little background about how you, what brought you to wine?
3: Yeah. Um. Well, I came from the reason I know that story is because I was at Stagecoach. I made the Krupp Brothers wines before I came to Bialy. And so I spent a good time up at, um, a good amount of time up there at Stagecoach. Uh, and before that, I was up on um, Howell Mountain at a, a, a Bordeaux house called Ladera. Uh, and before that, I was at St. Clement. And we worked with several. I love mountain fruit, and that's one of the attractions to Bialy for me when this job was available. Was at St. Clement, I also worked with fruit from Spring Mountain, Mount Veeder, Howell Mountain, uh, all these um, high elevation sites. And I love mountain fruit.
1: What is the elevation there?
3: Uh, Well, let's see. Howell Mountain, I think our vineyard up there was at about... uh, Twenty-two. Well, it ranged from eighteen to twenty-two hundred feet. It was rolling, right. oh. and uh, probably the same for all of those sites. They're all about the about those two thousand-ish. Yeah,
2: everything's, everything's right around two thousand seems both in Sonoma, and Napa. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, there's uh, there's something that like Mount Tam, um, Mount Tam, Mount or Sonoma Mountain, and. Mm-hmm. Something else is all within like five feet of elevation right. of each other. Like, yeah, Moon
3: Mountain and, and uh yeah wow. really? Monteroso. Mount Tam
0: always looks so much higher guys. nothing. I guess that's because it's by yeah, it's by nothing itself. Around. Nothing well around.
3: actually you know the tallest, uh you know, Mount St. Helena is forty seven hundred feet. Right. but no one grows grapes up there, so it's you know not uh, yet. Not yeah, right. <laughs> they will. <laughs> right. But um no, that's actually the tallest, I yeah. think. So yeah. um that's interesting, but yeah, it seems like that sweet spot is around fifteen hundred to two thousand for grapes um, in the this area.
2: So, were you a UC Davis or a Fresno um, uh, student, or did you? No. So, come can I, I can yeah, I jump sorry. in at this point
0: because I, what I what I found in, in kind of researching the um, the winery is that they have an incredibly diverse education on the team that works here at the winery, and I wrote this down because I thought it was really interesting. So you've got a, you'd, um, took uh, agricultural science and forestry with a minor in, in environmental ethics and music at right. Cal state at Humboldt. Correct. Yep. Dave, who works here, had a degree in developmental psychology at Chico. Mm-hmm. And Excellent. then, uh, Robert or Bob studied engineering at San Diego state and has a bachelor's degree in religious studies and social science. Isn't that a great background for uh, people making
3: wine? Yeah, absolutely it is. <laughs> yes. I mean, be,
0: beyond the, the winemaking um, um, background that you have, but those other things, what a well-rounded team.
3: Yeah, it is. It makes for a, a fun team and it makes for a team that, um, that really strives um, to, to um, be the best we can and to compete with people at this level who did specialize in their education mm. in enology or viticulture. Um, you can spend your lifetime like Bob and I have um, in the vineyard and in the cellar and not ever go to school and still become a master um, through experience and having great mm. teachers, although we did study and get our science degrees and things, but we didn't um, I did not go to Fresno or or Davis, I kind of went this way around at it and landed uh, landed in the same place I uh, would have anyway, and I wouldn't trade it for a thing because um, the experiences I've had through music and through forestry and uh, through all these other um, uh, vices have, have really created uh, who I am and the style that I like to make my wine yeah, and absolutely and so it's it's great it worked out great yeah yeah well, in
0: music and wine I think there's no better pairing. Yeah, than music and wine.
3: Right. Yeah. Well, food would be close, but if you just yeah. add, add that in, then you've got the perfect, perfect. Uh, I,
0: I, I think I could do with less food and more music.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, me too. Personally, actually. yeah. I know. What you I think you probably feel the same way. Yeah. yeah. I'd say my my waistline
3: would agree <laughs> with yeah. that. All right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or maybe that's less beer. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. We, well, you know, winemakers and uh, wine people love our yeah, beer. We so drink that, a lot of beer. Yeah.
0: <sighs> what is this yeah. we're drinking? So I'm. My glass has been about you know, a foot and a half away from, from my face, but I am smelling this smell wine. Yeah. Oh Yeah.
3: It's, this is a very, very aromatic wine. So this is the 2016 Grande Vineyard Zinfandel. And it's a beautiful wine aromatically, as you see, it's, it's very floral, um, and very perfumey. It's kind of feminine, um, in that way. It has, um, purple flowers and, uh, white flowers. Um, it's really, um, uh, full of just bright mm. uh, black and red uh, fruit that okay. pops and a uh, very balanced wine it's got this fresh acidity to it that makes your mouth water mm. and it's it's just lovely and this vineyard is um, one of the reasons why is well of course location location um, it's in the south end of Napa Valley on the east side so just off the Silverado Trail just d- directly east of us now right um, so literally straight across and. This thing was uh, planted in 1920. Um, so this is true old vine Napa Valley Zinfandel. And and nice. Do you
2: think that this is a field blend? Have you guys looked yeah, at Yeah, I know it is. it is. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. It, and, you know, we deal with, we make uh, 14 different uh, vineyard-designate Zinfandels here at Bialy. And I can tell you, if you line all 14 up, you're going to have 14 different wines completely. And right. it really is all about that soil and that look, that geography. And that's what's so neat about doing this here is that that's the whole point is to to show off these these sites. Um, and this is a great example, this Grande Vineyard, of what southeast Napa tastes like. It's very um, clean. It's very... Um, uh, very... Um, very juicy. Bright, juicy. Bright. Yeah, yeah, aromatic. Very
2: complex, too.
3: Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot, lot going, going on. There yeah. is. There's a lot of layers.
2: Could you talk a little bit about the winemaking on this wine or... Just your winemaking in general, you know, what what you look for, um, you know, some yeah. of the practices that you don't mind sharing. Yeah,
3: sure. Never Jeff kind of never
2: gives up all the secrets. We've had him on like three times, and he still,
3: you know, holds back. Oh, Jeff. Well, he does know some secrets, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, I love Jeff. He makes great wines. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to share everything I can. I, I really, you know. if
2: Just, just in general, like I, what you're well philosophy.
3: i'd like to think i invented winemaking i try not to act like I <laughs> you did. didn't trust yeah, Seriously? yeah. Well, oh, i man. tell people they just don't believe me i like that that's a good attitude for a winemaker to have <laughs> it is It is. because <laughs> that I means
0: know. you're doing it your way right? i invented <laughs> well, it i'm
2: going to do whatever the hell i want <laughs> joel peterson invented zinfandel right uh among other things <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so my approach is you know minimalistic i really I feel like every time I do something to the wine, I lose something. And you always have to remember that. Um, no matter what it is, if you think that you're doing something to benefit it, you probably are, but on the other side, you're losing something by doing that. So to not have to, to interfere with it is really the goal. Once you start doing that, you untangle a little mess sometimes and, and end up doing twice the work that you wanted to and then lose something. So... The goal is to really to, to get it right in the vineyard, and that's where Bob's really showing me how to grow these wines. And if we can do that, and if we luck out with the weather like we did this year, um, you, can, uh, you can make some beautiful wine. You just have to, from then on, you have to, once it comes in, you have to have your procedure, and I'll, I'll tell you what that is. But um, in general, you have to treat it very gently and not get in the way and not overwork it. Um, but that's harder than it sounds because you want to. You're excited, and you, yeah. you want you want to feel like you're in control, even though you know you're not. You want to do something to make it feel like you are, yeah. and that's when you can get in trouble. So, um, what I'll do is I'll you know we hand pick everything. We have to because these are most of these vineyards are head trained. They're bushes, wild bushes that you have to get up in there and and get the fruit out. And so it's all hand picked, and then we hand sort it. Uh, each cluster's looked at and sorted out if it doesn't make the cut. Then we have this Fancy Pants uh, uh, crusher distemmer that we just got, a uh, French piece of machinery that does a wonderful job of of um, throwing out the raisins and the, some of the rot and mildew you can have. And you can actually adjust it so that it holds on to those things. You can adjust how hard it shakes these things. And, right. and you know, you're getting out all the jacks, and um, we're really, you know, getting this really clean fruit. Now,
0: what was that? Sorry to interrupt, but I'm just curious when you first got that machine, what was that like on that day when you're starting to send some clusters down and you're trying to, you know, calibrate it? Did you, did you just kind of play with it for a couple hours? Yeah.
3: Well, luckily what they did was they, they let us demo it for an entire day. Nice. Before we pulled the trigger. And so I picked our biggest day of the year, of course, (laughs) to see what this thing could do. And, uh, um, I'm sure he's seen that one before, but yeah. uh, he <laughs> he was Can there. Can we get
0: it on October first? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you we know, had, it wasn't quite good enough. Can you bring it? Yeah, back? right, right.
3: No, we had him there for about ten hours, and uh, and we had it figured out. We played with it, and we really dialed it in. Is
2: this an optical sorter, or is this no? Just
3: a, it's uh it's it's a it's a um, just a manual sorter. Sure, but yeah. it's uh, one of the state of the art new ones, yeah, and yeah. it's um it's a really beautiful piece of equipment. Do you mind co-
2: saying what? Yeah, are, who,
3: it's who, called uh, Polonk. The Polonk. Yeah. It's a great. A lot of people are using them. It's not like a secret thing, but um, but it it is absolutely um, makes a heck of a difference in the quality. And so, yeah. But to answer your question, the pressure was on because here I just asked for this very expensive piece of machinery. And my bosses wanna see results. Yeah. <laughs> so, Why are we spending this money? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they were watching pretty closely how this thing was working and it, it dropped their jaws. They were very, very happy with okay, what yeah. they were seeing. They saying. were impressed with yeah. the fact
0: that the machine was doing the work and right. you were drinking a beer off right. to the side. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so that's amazing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I
3: told you it'd be worth it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh it's been great. Uh we've had that for a couple years now and mm-hmm. uh so that's one of the one of the things that we've seen uh an improvement on and then and it's gentle you know that those berries um then are mostly whole so they're not getting um ground up and so you're not getting those seed tannins or those really phenolic compounds that come from the skins and and that beating up and then we we don't pump it we then um we crush that into macro bins and then we dump it with a forklift over the top of open top tank so it never sees a pump Right. And then from there we'll do um, punch downs, hand punch downs, um, and uh, you know which is also very gentle. So we're going for we're kind of treating these like they're pinot noirs, really, right. um, and that's you can tell when you taste this wine how elegant it is. Um, you get that that really um, supple uh, tannin profile yeah. and the juiciness of the fruit. The fruit's first. Yeah so that's the trick and, and then, that's
2: what shows in this wine is the fruit shows yeah immediately that's so. the
3: goal and um you know these these pieces of equipment help but even before we had that the Bialy wines have always been like that anyway um, we're just able to now um, take it to a, a one more notch of quality um, and dial it in a little bit more but it's really you know all about the fruit and the vineyard but these light-handed touches they were this style of winemaking was already um, in play before i got here so i and i loved the wines and i don't want to i didn't want to do a big left turn i wanted to just take this style and just elevate it a little bit more maybe pull the reins back on the alcohol lift the fruit improve the barrel program um, things like that, um, lower the temperature during ferments to not cook off that fruit and, um, malolactic and barrel and, and things like that. Press cycles that are a little bit different and all those little things add up. And it's,
2: it's so interesting. The whole idea of temperatures during fermentation, you know, I've, the uh, talking to a lot of people and working with people and, you know, there are those people that, um, you Those know, people. Well, I mean, <laughs> l- l- look, th- there's, there's ideas of, you know, keeping it in the mid 80s and being real gentle and trying to keep the flavors. But then there are winemakers whose philosophy is like, get it up to 90 degrees as fast as possible and just, you know, scream it through fermentation. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them is bad. It's no. just a stylistic check.
3: Exactly. Point. Well, and not, neither and of them are bad until you get a stuck ferment. Right. right. <laughs> then all of a sudden, that cool ferment isn't so cool. Right. Or that hot
2: ferment isn't. <laughs> so right. So hot, right. Right. So I you got to
3: kind of learn what what works right. and um and find that range. Right.
2: And, and, but I mean, the point is, is that there are people who work within all of it, you know, successfully, I guess. Yeah. Or at least they always tell you they were successful. We don't know what goes on when we're not there. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) When
0: you guys are obviously getting really good fruit, which makes taking a minimalist approach a little bit easier when you feel like you don't have to do any manipulation Mm -hmm. that you're just kind of letting the fruit speak. But what I was shocked about, and you know, Bart and I are Petaluma kids. We're kind of Sonoma County kids born and raised in, we think we have the Zinfandel thing kind of uh, cornered over there in Sonoma. And then to, to find out that you guys are sourcing all these cool vineyard sites in Napa, it's like, how the hell are these Zin, how is it still planted over here? And part of that must have something to do with the Historic Vineyard Society. I mean, I can't imagine they're not just ripping out Zen and planting cab at this point, unless someone's saying hey wait a minute
3: well they still will and that's the whole point of the HVS is to keep that from happening yeah. and that's you know bob and myself and and all the other guys that are on this committee are um are that's our our goal is to protect these things whether it be Napa or Sonoma or anywhere in California yeah. um and um it's scary because you don't you know you don't know what's going to happen with the vineyard because of who owns it and wh- what their family ties are with it and what they'll right. do. And yeah. so you just, you really don't have control for very long. You know, it's everything changes. And and so our goal is to try to just keep on these things and find out who, who what's going on with them and then try to get them to be on board with, with protecting them. Right. Yeah. And,
2: and, and making sure they're getting Paid enough that it's you know worthwhile the, for exactly. them to keep it into production,
3: right? And it is you know um, you know forty two hundred is uh, forty two hundred dollars a ton. I think is the um, average Napa Zin price, huh. um, and it's probably gone up since <laughs> wow. this year. Um, yeah. But we we can we pay upwards of five thousand a ton for some of our Zinfandel, our special mountain uh, fruit, and other special oh. vineyards, and that's that's a good price, but. If you compare that to 12,000 for a ton of cab in the same area, it's right. really not. Yeah. So that's that's the challenge is, you know, where's the farmer's head? Are they in it for the passion and the love? Or they? if if they're in it for a monetary reasons, then uh, that's going to get ripped out pretty right. quick. Right. Uh, so, you know, it takes the right kind of grower to do to do that right
2: and and if it's it's a single vineyard and it's the sole source of income um it's really hard you know if they are not is. making any money it it's another thing up. if it's one block in a you know 40 acre vineyard um you know there's ways around saving them but it's yeah you gotta
1: well you yeah. guys have to buy more zinfandel than anybody in california That's, I would
3: imagine right <laughs> well no well for in this area yeah. in, in, in this specific niche yeah um, we are very specialized yeah we buy we buy a lot of zinfandel uh from napa valley um and uh, and sonoma yeah you,
2: and, you guys still get that little vineyard next to the post office in vineberg yes yeah, yeah. How,
3: what is that about an acre and a half of vines not even that i think it's like around an acre yeah, yeah it, it's you know 700 vines or something yeah. all all um, head chain. That's called then yeah. uh, vineyard. That's yet. where I,
2: c- that's my post office boxes there. And uh, um, when I first started my brand, I asked them about it and they said, Oh no, biali gets it. And I was yeah. like, well, good for Biali <laughs> On a, on a, on a good
3: year, I think we'll get a whole uh, two barrels out of that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it's stunning wine. It's stunning. Wow.
1: Well, you do, you, you source from Bedrock, Limerick Lane up North, um,
0: Monterosso. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pagani.
1: Jeez. There you go. Pagani. So, yeah.
0: Well, you know what really, piqued my interest was the Barbera I don't know if you're still working with the Barbera but you've got that uh, one family that has what I what I think maybe is the only Barbera planted in Napa Valley possibly
3: one of them yeah so it's the Torrigino family and it's up in Calistoga Mm -hmm. and it's it's old it's an old vineyard Um, it's a funky little vineyard it's the same thing it's a little backyard thing and uh, you look at it and you know, it's diseased and it's a mishmash and it looks looks kind of like crap. And you go, I'm supposed to make wine from that. And it just turns <laughs> out the fruit is incredible. Yeah. And it's funny because being in Calistoga, it's so hot up there. You think that it would, you know, scream through and come in. It is always the very last wine to come in really? for the year. Really? In fact, I, I've got it in bins fermenting outside right now. Um, so that'll be the mm-hmm. last thing to press as well as just every year. And it barely hits 13.5 alcohol, really? you know? Wow. So it's, it just struggles to get there. But when it, it, it does, it's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah,
0: we're we're kind of missing Barbera over on the Sonoma side. With yeah. it's just been getting ripped well, out. That's hard There's to There's not a lot of people um, still growing it. Yeah. And thank yeah. God for this family. I don't know if you guys are bringing them meals or something, but <laughs> <laughs> keep them happy. Yeah, we're trying.
3: We're trying. They they love what we do, and they're happy yeah. to work with us. And they nice. they get what we're doing, and, and right. they're on board. So. Oh,
0: isn't that a magical thing when they
3: they get it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it
0: even talking with Morgan and, and and, with Tegan, it's the same thing driving around and, and finding people that you can kind of convince or that have like mind. It's like once you find those people, man, hold on exactly. to them and, and keep calling them. That's right. Make sure they know that you're appreciating them. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just an amazing thing. And it, so, besides Sonoma and Napa, are you sourcing from any other regions in California?
3: Um, Yeah, we're sourcing from uh, Lake County now. Um, A couple of great little vineyards over there, uh, Four Vineyard uh, in the the Red Hills, and also Burton um, over there. And uh, we just started this new wine program, which um, is what this fruit goes into. So Mm -hmm. with the idea in mind that we will be able to purchase fruit at a lower price, then we can charge less for this bottle of wine great concept right so um, we started uh to to put this program together and source the fruit and we had to come up with a name and then figure out the price point and how we're going to distribute that because we don't want to cannibalize ourselves in something else that's one of our high-end wines and so it took this was a well thought out thing and it's just now out on the market and it's called party line and Party line, like I was telling you before, were the old telephone systems right. where people would call in their jugs of black chicken. Right. So we thought that would be a, that's a cool that's name. And,
2: and it ties it in a
3: little bit yeah, to the story. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And this is a $25 bottle re, uh, retail, uh, Zinfandel, and it's rocking. It's really good. Um, so we make it with the same exact procedure that we do. Our high-end wines, we're just able to buy the fruit for less. And then that comes out on the bottom end for everybody else. And it's, yeah. it's great. So far, so good. Um, it's fun. That's good. You sound we'll like take a look
1: for it. You sound proud of it.
3: I am You're really, you know, well, yeah. you know, I was kind of shocked because I didn't know if I'd be able to make uh, this wine any good. Cause you know, I've, we have, you know, I'm one of those um, stuck up Napa guys, right. And you can't get good fruit from Lake County. I don't think so. <laughs> 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 this fruit's amazing. And the wine turned out great. And I am, I'm proud of it. It's That's a great. good, solid wine.
0: I actually have met a couple people that said they think that's where the next sort of Cabernet Sauvignon region is going to be up in Lake County that gets some affordable Cabernet that's that's got some quality to uh, it I don't know if that's true or not but
3: uh, I bet it is because if I don't know if you've been over there recently but it's it's going crazy with development um, mm-hmm. Beck offers um gobbling up land and planting like you wouldn't believe yeah. and it's obsidian, a sea of green the yeah city
2: and boys that planted a huge vineyard and it's almost all cavern mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. uh, red yeah. red dirt
3: and, yeah. Uh, yeah red soil um it, it's really um great soil and you can grow some some nice fruit over there um if they just learn how to keep the fires away right
1: <laughs> yeah unfortunately that's a whole new reality
3: isn't it right yeah
1: we were talking about that this morning in, in france and in burgundy they're wondering, you know, if their style of wine is going to hold up next fifty years, and already it's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, they're seeing a lot of yeah,
2: it. Yeah, on the lines of. Um, uh global or climate, climate change. change yeah you know that article that was um, with eric eric Asimov, from, Asimov, yeah. yeah he recently
3: put out an article but them saying, saying that, that in that amount of time we will no longer be able to grow these varietals maybe that, maybe that burgundy right. will I not that. grow it's gonna yeah. be too
0: hot and then yeah. champagne i mean too hot bordeaux i changed. can't
3: imagine i man i sure hope <laughs> not but uh, you Know, um, time will tell here, but people are looking at it, yeah. yeah. Riesling
0: yeah. from Australia, cats and dogs living together, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah,
3: right? Yeah, Raining up frogs, is down, man. left is right,
0: <laughs> yeah. It could, it could get crazy, who knows? But I, you know, obviously, that's going to be a, a time will tell thing, but um, yeah, interesting article, mm-hmm. and and um, um, you guys doing a rose too, right? Yes, yeah. from. Is it Sangio? It's from Sangiovese.
3: Yep, Sangiovese. So um, the way we do it is I'll pick uh, the Sangiovese, which comes from Solano County, speaking of Mm. other places to source. Mm. Um, So Green Valley over in Solano County. um, Found this little Sangiovese vineyard for a song. The fruit is really, really affordable. And for making rosé, it's perfect. And um, so I'll pick it at 21 Bricks throw it in the press whole cluster and squeeze it until I get that color and that acid that I like and uh, ferment it in stainless steel drums. And, um, and then what I'll do, and then that becomes the, the backbone of, of the blend. And then what I'll do is throughout the course of our zin production, I'll do some sauniers. I'll bleed mm. off some juice. Um, and keep those separate, and then do a blend at the end. So it's it's Sangiovese, but there's some Zinfandels yeah. in there to give it some some depth and some fruit. Yeah. And well, that's a good mix. Anyway, it's nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's really it's yeah. bone dry, and it's really really lovely. Christmas and I notice you're
0: sold out of it too.
3: Yeah, it goes fast. <laughs> it's sold out
0: of your Barbera too. Are you serious? Yeah. I was hoping to pick up a bottle when I got here today. Well, I said, that sounds so interesting. I really maybe really... You, you know the winemaker. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. You know, they, I, I'm all I'm all in for them making money. So if they, <laughs> they can sell it to someone, they should sell it to that someone. That one is that's unfortunately... That's what we're here for.
3: That one's long gone. I think I got my one bottle and I'm stashing it away.
0: So does that mainly go out to wine club? Is yeah. So what, they yeah.
3: get... Well, That that's another one of those whopping two-barrel lots. I wow. mean, it's tiny. So uh, it's 50 cases. And we, yeah. we when it's ready, we'll release a blast to our customers saying first come first serve. And it's usually gone in a day. Wow. And yeah. so, yeah, that's it, a great business model. It, it is right. <laughs> yeah. People love that. Did wine. you ask
0: why you can't just do that with every wine? Right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I guess if they were all two barrels, it would be that way. <laughs> <one>,
0: but... <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be two barrels. Right. You know, it could be 10 barrels. Right. <laughs> so out of your 14
1: cents, what is the barrel load? How many barrels?
3: Oh gosh. You have uh, two
1: barrels on the Barbera.
3: Yeah, so well total case production, um, we're sitting at around. Um, it, it flops around between 12 and 15,000 cases depending on the year. Okay. This year was an abundant harvest, so we'll be in above that we'll norm Yeah yeah, so um, but you know it, it's right around in there. And so um, typically for um, each vintage, I probably have 450 barrels. So I have about 900 barrels in the cellar total, but that's for both vintages um, of what not what's not bottled of the 17s. Um, so it's a it's a good barrel shay. It's yeah. a lot to keep track of. Put yeah. it that way. Yeah, absolutely. When,
0: we were just doing a little harvest um, wrap up show this morning. And do you think did you guys end up with more juice than you actually had places to put it at some point?
3: it was really close um we got lucky in that you remember there was that little rain event in um, late september
0: yeah. it's funny that you could mention one rain of that was it right and we all know what you're talking yeah, about that yeah that
3: was it for the year and it came at a perfect time for us because I was full. I mean, every vessel was full and it was going to keep coming. And that rain came yep. and we had to stop and let things dry out. Well, in the meantime, I was pressing, go, go, clear yeah, out yeah, yeah pressing <laughs> and barreling. And so it allowed me to, um, kind of lick my wounds and catch up and yeah. make room. And, and then the rest of it came in and it was just Perfect. a storybook. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's were awesome. You... Cause so
2: many people were
3: having to not pick, Yeah, you know, um, waiting for tanks yeah. to open. So, right, yeah. Yeah. We were we got lucky. Yeah, so yeah, great. that is true. A lot of people were in that situation.
1: We were talking this morning about 30% over last year.
3: Yep, are you seeing up. That? Up? Yeah, that? Okay, yeah, we good. so when we first started getting our first mm. uh, vineyard lots in and putting them on the scale, oh wow, okay, that one's 20% over and then the next one's 25, <laughs> the next one's 30, the next one 50, the next one 10. Wow, so over average I'd say yeah. 25 percent over but we saw this trend happening and the first 10 picks and we went uh-oh <laughs> i'm gonna run out of barrels i'm gonna run out of tanks uh and so it's we. it's a good problem to have right, right no well reason. especially when the vintage is so good it's right, good right. juice it could yeah. be worse with yeah. uh, a bad vintage so right. yeah we'll take right, exactly. it exactly yeah.
2: and the, the the barrel the barrel uh, sales are all oh they're like yes year. they are yeah, yeah. Yeah. And especially after last year, because they all took it pretty hard last year. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. For the last (laughs) two years. But I don't feel bad for barrel salesmen. A lot of my close friends are barrel salesmen. So, (laughs) Yes. Well, why
0: would you feel bad for barrel salesmen?
2: Because they're not, you know, people aren't buying their barrels. You don't, you know, do you feel bad? They're not winemakers. They
0: only need to sell. How many many barrels do you need to sell a week to to make a living?
1: Quite a few. Quite (laughs) a few. Are you all French oak here?
3: We are. Yep. Yep. hundred percent French. And we're all, um, I use all Burgundian style barrels. So shorter, fatter barrels with thicker staves like you would use for Pinot Noir. Hmm. And I feel that, that, um, that fits our style better because, um, of the oxygen interaction, less oxygen interaction with the thicker staves and different lees, uh, to wine ratio. Um, and, um, uh, you know, other factors. Um, but, uh, other tricks, oh. well, uh, just trying to fine tune it, which, which Coopers best fit our, our style. That's the, that's what we're trying to find out now. So I'm doing extensive trials on, on different Coopers in the same wine and tasting them blind and trying to weed out the ones that aren't working, uh, year to year.
1: So when you're tasting a blind, what are you, what are you tasting? What are you looking for?
3: Uh, you're really tasting for the oak, and it's a, it's a really strange way to taste wine. If you you kind of have to um, imagine the wine in, in layers, and you have to look past the fruit, and you have to think past the acid and the alcohol, and you're just trying to taste the wood. And um, it's, it's a, a feeling on your tongue. It's a, the where that is on your tongue. Is it in the front, on your teeth? Is it in the middle? Is it on the top of your roof of your mouth? Is it in the back? Right. So really where that, that wood tannin, uh, where it feels is, um, I want it right in the middle. And, um, and if it's a big barrel that's astringent or it has um, pencil shaving type uh, characters or green wood or anything like that, it's, it's out. You know, It's got to be this really soft, it has to lift the fruit. And it has to have this roundness to it. And so that's what I'm looking for. That's Uh,
2: great. That's a great description. And I like how you described trying to taste for the oak. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that's
0: a great exercise for psalms because you're always trying to pick out, you know, oak is one of those things that can give you clues as to where the wine is from and how it's been treated. But I don't know that I've ever thought about that, trying a wine just trying to pick out
3: oak. Yeah, well, you have to do it with, uh, with 100% Lot, you know, 100% new oak lot. So these are all these are all new barrels, and they're all um, just different cooper's. So you're getting 100% new oak on this wine you're tasting. So that makes it easier to do that with a blend. So our final blend, by the way, in our Zinfandels is about 20% new. Yeah. Um. And so to taste for the oak with just 20% new would be tough. But it's easy to do in one of those trials where you really got the oak in the forefront. When well, you do that side by side? Yeah, 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 I line them all up. I have um, 18 different coopers, and wow. I, I have my, my guys will pull the samples, mix them up, and I'll taste them blind and I'll rate them. And then I'll have uh, four or five other people do that too so I can have more data. Sure. And I have now uh, six years of this data And if I see the same Coopers in this, in the top and in the bottom, I know what to do. Yeah.
2: And, and what is, how many barrels do you like to have in a lot? I mean, obviously it's all relevant to how big your winery is. I've worked at larger wineries where we could do a barrel trial. and be 10 barrels of each, you know, and then I've worked at small wineries where we had one or two barrels of each. And it's, it's hard because there is variation between barrels, regardless of how good they are. Yeah. Where are you guys at for your size?
3: This one, this trial was easy because what I did was I picked, um, I ran the trial on what would be our black chicken blend, since that's our biggest blend that we do quantity wise. Right. And, um, and it also is a best representation of Zen, our style of Zen here. And so, and I also know that I'll be able to get a big lot out of this. So Mm -hmm. knowing that I have 18 different Coopers, I want to pick a lot that I'm going to have probably twice that many barrels in. So then I can have, um, half of the lot is just neutral wood. So then you can compare, you know, just the pure fruit to the, to the oak trial so that's also one of the that's a very important part too yeah so it's a it's a pretty big lot so it's you know a 40 barrel lot right uh that i do this with and then you know half of it goes to all these different coopers and half doesn't yeah
2: so you get a nice representation of what each cooperage is doing exactly i was looking yeah Yeah.
3: i
1: had no idea that it was spread like that that one cooper would do something so different oh, it's the same wood yeah, yeah. but I mean what is it a different toast is...
3: it's a different flavor altogether um, it's it's like you know walking into somebody's house and they have that their smell of their house it reminds you of your you know your grandma's house or your friend when you were a kid that smell of their house you know um, it's that same thing they have this um, their style and um, some of those styles work well with certain wines and some don't and so I'm trying to figure out which one's do and kick the rest out. And it's taken a while, but I think it's going to pay off. Well,
1: yeah. if you have six years worth of data, mm-hmm. you know, then
3: yeah. go for it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're starting to see, I uh, uh, hope none of my coopers are listening, uh, but you're going to see some uh, <laughs> some axes drop here in the next year and weed some of these out and then increase the other orders. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's
2: good for them to hear.
3: Yeah, yeah. Right? That's right, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, it's the same thing as working with growers and, you know, you you need to keep everybody sharp, and you know, let them know what you
3: expect. Well, yeah, no, I do. I I invite them to taste through this with me. Right, and they yeah. they love it. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you're doing the same thing with yeast. What are you doing uh, as far as um, uh, not like not to native no. strains, or are you are you uh, using commercial?
3: I I start everything native, so I'll let it just go. I'll, I'll turn off the cooling for two days and just let it start on its own. Mm-hmm. But then I'll use commercial strains to get it to finish because we're talking about some things that can swell up to 28 29 bricks sometimes and if um if you don't get that through you're gonna have a a sweet stuck wine and so um you know i target my certain alcohol and then i'll inoculate um to get it through otherwise i i have a hard enough time sleeping during harvest i would never be able to sleep Uh, it it would be very stressful, but we, we, I use powerful yeast strains. Um, you know, William cellium is one that always gets it through it's just, it's, and champagne yeasts, um, um, like triple one eight. And, um, um, but I do like to play around with yeast strains, um, on the different things like the Sangio and the Barbera and, um, the Grenache and petite straws and, little things that I can afford to, to let them go slower and, and show the character that this yeast was designed for. But for a lot of the big zen lots, I, I just really need them to get dry. Yeah. But I do like to start with native because I think that first third depletion of sugar in, in the ferment is when all the magic happens. That's really when all of these chains are being formed and polyphenols are, are, are chaining up and mm-hmm. you're getting, you know, you're not blowing things off. Mm-hmm. You're letting them come together and then you've got them. You've got anthocyanins that are already um, set and um, you've got um, things that you can then, once they're there, then you can inoculate and they'll stay there. Yeah. So I think if you're going to do native, that's going to be the most important time anyway. Right, yeah. yeah.
0: And Interesting. Did, did you say Grenache?
3: Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: Where are you guys farming that
3: at, uh, it's coming from Kiger Ranch over in uh, just past Pagani, over off okay. 12 out there. And we know Barton. Uh, no, <laughs> Kiger's are it's a family vineyard. They it's, and it's on
2: Highway 12,
3: it's just off of it. Yeah, Not just really. before you get to Santa Rosa. Okay, okay, um, cool. And it's uh, they do all organic, yeah, um, they have their, their sheep that take care of the the weeds and the grass oh, and they cool. uh, isn't that
1: nice yeah isn't yeah. it nice to see people doing that Yeah, it's awesome it's it's very old world and it's very new world
3: yeah these these guys are way. great great stewards of their of their land and they grow some great grenache Even and so zinc. do you do
2: a single bottling of the grenache
3: no we um i put it into a blend that we do called basic black okay um yeah. and that's a kind of our version of a uh, well it's a glorified gsm it's a californianized gsm but w- this blend um it has seven eight nine varieties in okay. it in yeah. certain years yeah so i put it into that okay. and it's a it's a, I try to co-ferment it i try to co-ferment as many things as i can uh the record is nine so far but that was just luck on timing cause <laughs> i was gonna say that's just a logistical nightmare <laughs> just lucky yeah. 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 yeah yeah it was to try and get it to work but i had the blend in my mind out in the field and i would go out and sample and try to make it work and i pulled it off in wow. 16. we got nine in the same vat and it, wow. it was awesome and,
2: and if you don't mind me asking
3: over how many days did it take you to get that in there just uh it took three days yeah that's pretty yeah, good that's yeah. good logistics so I, I just put it in i chilled it down as cooled as i could yeah. um hit it with the little sulfur yeah and I kept it really cold and then i just kept layering yeah. on it and then when i got it all in there i let it rip yeah. and um, and crossed my fingers right you know it's funny what you were saying <laughs> about that
2: thing. that william selium ye- yeast i've never really used it myself and but a friend of mine last year um got his last lot of grapes in the fire came and yeah. he evacuated and he said yep he goes i dumped some william selium in it and hope for the best and he came back you know it took him 12 days to get back into the winery yeah and um, there was someone there
3: that wasn't able to punch down, but it was dry. It was Wow, done. that's incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. William must That's be quite a yeast. It is. Yeah, right yeah. it's uh, yeah. even when you're you're getting it uh, prepared to add in the bucket, so you can adjust it uh, to temperature. It's like a volcano. I mean, it's, it's just, tor- just yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing. And
1: Bart, what you just said takes us back to how good this year has been versus last year, because. Last year at this time, everybody was in recovery mode yeah. and scrambling and trying to figure out what the hell they were going to do. Right. If they didn't have things picked, I mean, we we have one friend who, his grapes were picked and left. They sat out during that whole fire.
2: Yeah, well, um, uh, Kieran, Kieran Robinson yeah. Uh, had a uh, Syrah vineyard in Bennett Valley, and they picked that night, and they couldn't get
3: in to deliver the grapes, yeah. and,
2: and the grapes sat there for like two weeks
1: yeah
3: Yeah, Yeah. horrible stories yeah we we were lucky because we were about 90 percent in with our fruit and um so we just had a few things out there and we couldn't get to them same thing Uh, roads were closed we i could get to the winery but the problem here was the electricity was out so i had ferments that were either heating or chilling that were i was freaking out about and and then of course we're all open top, so does that mean that the smoke's going to get into the tank? So I wrapped all my tanks in plastic and all this stuff. It was a crazy time. Yeah, it was stressful, um, but we were lucky. We we were mostly in the barn. Yeah, so that's, that's great. Yeah, that's
0: great. man. That, that last um, that last sip of the Zen that you poured first. I noticed the, that. I, <laughs> man, yeah. It opens up. Um, it really yeah, really opens and up. you guys ever. Did you ever, as a kid, go to an Orange Julius in, uh, the, yeah, in yeah. the Santa Rosa oh, yeah. Mall? Yeah. Like, it had, like, this citrus, uh-huh. orangey kind yeah. of thing Orange on that last blossom. sip that I had. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. For sure.
3: Good good descriptor. Yeah. Yes. I
0: didn't want to pour the other wine, because <laughs> so I was, like, still enjoying smelling
3: it. <laughs> we that. can go back to it. Hmm. But I did want to show you guys this wine. Uh, this mm-hmm. is our um, Petite Syrah. Um, it's called Royal Punishers. This is also. Damn, that's I think good. this is a wow. 16. Wow. Yes. Yeah,
1: this is good stuff,
3: man. Yeah, this is. Uh, look Ooh. at the color. It's just as yeah. black <laughs> as it gets. John, John,
0: anything <laughs> named Royal Punishers, <laughs> John, can sit up straight in his chair. You
3: got it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, so 100% Petit Syrah. And it comes from, uh, mostly comes from, it's not a vineyard designate, but it's almost uh, 100% from Carpi Conley Ranch in, in Rutherford. And that ranch sits right behind, uh, if you know where Frog's Leap is, yep. right back in there in that middle, right in the middle of the valley.
1: Prime growing
3: area. Oh, the soils are so deep and rich there. It's unbelievable. And that's why this, for a petite Syrah, this has a, a very plush entry. It's it's not angular. It comes in with some weight and softness, yeah. and then the tannins start to evolve. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a great sight. Um, and this, you know, for this wine now, I do treat it differently than the Zins. Now I'll now I get to go back to my Cabernet making roots and and splash and beat some things up and splash them around and right you know, extract, extract, um, you know, pump overs and daily and, um, and higher temperatures and, you know, extracting the color and the tannin. Uh, so it's fun because you kind of get to do both. But
2: still, I mean, I'm curious and I've never really made much petite Syrah by myself. Part of the problem also is with petite Syrah is extracting too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, so what is it that you're doing that's keeping the nice tannin and leaving the harsh tannins i just
3: um i just pay attention and i taste the tank two or three times a day after every pump over uh, reassess it and once the tannin level is where it needs to be then i just i stop and i just let it sit on macerate on the skins and i just start wetting the cap right um, and don't extract anymore right. and let it finish and And
2: for you out there I mean he makes it sound really easy but when he's tasting <laughs> yeah. when he's tasting these wines for tannin the wine's still sweet mm-hmm. and so um, it's it, that's the chore is or that's the, the key is to just to, to pick up the tannin without um, with that with the sugar not being well there. that yeah g- that is right? true and
3: and it's almost like the same way i was talking about how to taste for oak earlier you can do this and look at the tannin as its own layer and right. look past everything else and think about how that tannin is hitting your mouth and if it's in the front it's too too angular and you right. you got to move it back and or right. pull back a little bit and, right adjust temperature and your your extraction regime and yeah. all that yeah so yeah it is it's not uh, nothing's as easy as it sound. we like to make it sound easy though right
2: but... well that's what makes it so yeah. mysterious
3: and the color
0: <laughs> is deceiving on this wine i mean it the color is that deep dark color but it, it's actually an elegant wine mm-hmm.
1: yeah.
3: yeah 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 it's um it's, it's not brooding
1: it's lighter than i thought it would be
2: right yeah. i mean I it doesn't th-
1: taste th- high in alcohol either
0: I think Petit Sirah was was it's probably not, my first varietal that I had like an, an infatuation with when I first started drinking wine. So in the in the early mid '90s, I was like Petit because I always thought it was so great that you could buy one bottle and it was almost like buying three different bottles because you'd open it up and it would taste one way when you first open it, and then mm-hmm. halfway through it would be completely different. Yeah. And then the last sip was always that's how this nowhere wine near. Yeah. Really what the first sip tasted like. And mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like going on a journey.
3: Yes. Like there
0: wasn't
2: any. I, I, well, if you think about those Fapiano Petite Syrahs, you know, um, in the 70s and 80s, and those wines were just so massive, you yeah. know, it would take 20 years to get to the point where you could enjoy it over three days. <laughs> right. so.
0: Well, it was nice to start, you could start a meal and have, you know, your appetizer and then your steak. And then by the time dessert came, the, the Petite was always starting to come around to that, dark chocolate, uh, marshmallow, toasty, graham crackery kind of smells. It was almost like turned into your perfect dessert wine at the end <laughs> right. of dinner. Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure how you
1: do one bottle for the whole dinner, though. Uh, That's the
0: question i That was thinking. when I was younger, John. <laughs> I was uh, taking it easy, I guess. <laughs> or maybe it was the six cocktails before the
3: bottle of wine. That
1: might have had something to do with it. What's your favorite? If you're going to drink one. What do you want?
3: Out of the Bialy wines? Out of anything. Oh, out of anything. There we go. That's oh, so wow, a lot Desert difference. Island bottle. Oh, Desert Island bottle. Ooh. Well, wow. Well,
0: d- do this white or red. What do you drink in a, in a you know, if you... Well, consider- I can
3: tell you it would be a Burgundy. Yeah. White or red. No, that's... That, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Time of day, depending on how you're uh, feeling. A Volnay would be really nice. But yeah. uh, I think, a, you know, an, an Eschazot would probably have to be... Wow. My, my last wine. Sure. And
1: for the Bialy line? For do you have Bialy, a favorite of the Zens?
3: Um, I do. I have I have more than one favorite though, because it's hard to, you know, these are your like these the are kids. Your little kids, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, they all have we like,
2: always say whatever's in my glass.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But,
2: this is my favorite right here. Yeah,
3: pizza. Well, that's
1: perfect. That's perfect.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I like. It is hard to choose. Um, I but in in for the most part, I tend to like our um, our lighter styled zins, like this, like the Valseki, uh, the faleri These little backyard um, old vine things that hardly produce anything. They're just, they have this beautiful, um, elegance to them. Um, but I also like Monteroso That's probably one of my favorite wines yeah. we do because, um, like I was saying earlier, I love mountain fruit and that's a great example of not only mountain fruit, but old vine yeah. Zinfandel mountain fruit. And, um, it's just a, a stunning, um, uh, vineyard and, uh, the fruit from there is just incredible. And, and it's so resilient. And that wine is, um, uh, I, I call it our, our Audrey Hepburn, um, of wines, because in fact, I put her picture on the tank for good luck every year. Um, that picture with the cigarette and the long gloves, it's, it's just that wine is so elegant and sophisticated and beautiful. Um, So, yeah, I'd say Monta would have to be up there. Bedrock, I love the Bedrock as well. That area makes some really nice... So many choices. Yes.
1: Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) Monta we were just up there with uh, Richard Arrowwood, and the view from his place of
0: that vineyard is just... Not bad. Spectacular. Mm -hmm. It's just
1: beautiful, man. Yes. Monta
0: that whole area is just perfect when you can shoot some guns off up there too and no one really cares right (laughs) do they hear
1: (laughs) and they just don't give a shit the thing there's just not that many
2: there's just not that many people i
1: I
0: wouldn't knock on richard's door if i heard gunshots and tell him to keep it down (laughs) i don't think so
2: (laughs) not that guy (laughs) no not
0: me i'll hang out in my little house (laughs) And, you, and, uh, you know, this, is this somewhere that people can taste where, where we are sitting right now in the guest house? On the yes. Property?
3: Yeah. So we have, uh, we have different tiers, uh, levels of tastings that we do. Um, uh, that's all by appointment. So you just, you know, get on our website, robertbialyvineyards.com and, um, give us a call or, uh, arrange it by, um, through the, through the website, your appointment. And, um, You'll see on there the different types of tastings we do. One of them is out on our, um, the patio of our tasting room just outside. We have these um, nice uh, lounge tables where you can sit out and you're looking at Mount St. Helena and all of the vineyards. It's a beautiful view. And then we have our, um, our ex- more private tasting in our, uh, we call it our Zinner Sanctum. And uh, it's kind of like a private <laughs> little um, tasting room. And then we do special tastings in this house over here, uh, usually for trade and for uh, okay. special groups where we can focus a little bit more and, um, you know, really get for into sure. into the wines. And yeah, it's a
0: beautiful them. spot. It reminds me, you guys, of the San Giacomo's when we went over to their facility where yeah. you're sitting at a, you know, you're sitting at a table and looking out onto the vineyard through the windows. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any other better way to taste wine than looking out on the vineyard colors right now yeah it's really
1: beautiful it's 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 very frank lloyd right in here very yeah you know this
2: table these chairs yeah they're perfect very Uh stickly kind
3: of thing. right it's got an old-fashioned feel to it yeah well and the wavy
2: windows of this building i mean this old building are are awesome too Mm -hmm. so uh as far as national distribution, the Black Chicken is probably probably the mostly most distributed in throughout the United States. Yeah, Black
3: Chicken and this wine here, the Royal Punisher. Okay. Those are our two kind of flagship wines. Okay. Um, and then we'll see. You know, hopefully that that party line uh, takes off for us, and you'll see that out there at a more affordable price. We'll hit a different audience. Yeah. Um, but right now, Black Chicken and Royal Punishers, and then for a lot of these vineyard designates, we've been talking about. They're really through our club membership. Yeah, uh, they get first dibs on these funky little things that we do. Um, did you know we're doing a Greco for a white, no. an Italian white wine? Well, you know what I was going to ask. Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait, <laughs> <There> wait! You, <laughs> go. you yeah.
0: just stepped on Brian's hot button Okay, <laughs> so we're talking Campania region. We're talking Greco de Tufo. is exactly. what we're talking about. Yeah,
3: yeah. So we planted a little bit of it back here on the property in a little lit, uh, swale spot where uh-huh. we weren't getting things ripe, and uh-huh. it's doing really well. And uh, I'm about to bottle the third uh, vintage of that, and it's club member only, again. Um, Damn it. cause it's Because we only make about uh, another club right? 225 cases, so it goes fast. And, um, and,
2: and what sort of, I'm not that familiar with that, those wines, so we could talk a little bit about the wine and the winemaking on that.
3: Yeah, it's funky. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a very interesting animal. It's, um, it's a fleshy kind of uh, phenolic white wine that, um, um, tends to oxidize very easily. Mm -hmm. So it can get this really beautiful, dark golden color and, um, and it, it has viscosity and weight, but it also has this tart acid. And so, and then it's got structure to it. So you're, you're really confused. You, if you tasted that blind, you'd have a really hard time figuring out what it is. Um, it's very unique. It's very interesting and people love it. I mean, it's just so good. Um, so we looked into what would do well here, and we were looking at Italian varietals because of, obviously, Bioli specializes in Italian varietals. And so, but we wanted to do a white, so we, we dug some soil pits, and we did our research on what what rootstock, what clone, what, what variety would do well in this, what we have here with this clay. And, um, and we thought of Greco, and tried to get some budwood and good luck doing that, you know, cause where, where are you going to find it? Well, yeah. uh, of course, Steve Mathiason had some growing somewhere, right? So we got all of him and you need got, some ergology, huh? right? <laughs> but you know, no. he, he, uh, he hooked us up with some, some cuttings and we went for it and, um, and it's really, really a fun wine. Wow. Yeah. Was
0: Falangina in the running too, or was it just, uh,
3: not that I remember. Okay. No. Um,
0: my wife and I just, we, we, um, did our honeymoon in Italy, and oh, so nice. we were uh, Rome, Naples, and then then um, Amalfi Coast, and and the Falangina and the Greco de Tufo are two of the wines, side. I just, every night, that's what I wanted with yeah. dinner. Yeah, um, and it's a great a food wine. challenging to find it at home, but I think the Fudi San Gregorio does a uh, Greco de Tufo and yeah. a Falangina that's pretty uh-huh. good that you can get here oh, in cool. some, some uh,
3: wine shops, but yeah, well, cool, now you cool know. great, yeah. but
0: but I got to join the wine club to get the
3: wine. as well, you're you like you you know the winemaker, remember? <laughs> so I might be able to squeeze a bottle <laughs> somewhere. We'll All right. find some. Okay, find that's interesting. Two bottles you've squeezed. Yeah. Me. Well, no, I don't. Barber and the Greco. We have to wait oh, till right. next release, though. That's <laughs> right. the problem. But right, right, exactly. But you know where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: So. Well, that's fun. Yeah, that's it awesome. Is, it
3: is fun. It's fun for me because it's uh, it just breaks up. You know, it just it's fun, fun in the middle of everything else to focus on something totally different. And yeah, it's neat. Those
1: cuttings that you got, um, did you put them on rootstock?
3: Uh, yes we did. Yeah.
1: And what was in there?
3: Um, well we, uh, let's see that one went to, um, believe we went to St. George with that, um, because of the soil here, that's what we use for everything else here. Um, But I'm not certain on that. I'd have to check with Bob. It's a good question. I can't remember. Um, But it's. uh, It obviously works. It's obviously working. It's really, really good. And then this year with the bumper crop that we had, we went from um, 89 cases to 225. Wow. There's your
1: entry right there, Brian, right there. Yeah.
3: (laughs) That's great. Yeah. So it uh, was a great. That's where you're really happy to have a bumper crop.
0: Yeah. Man. Well, yeah. As long as you're maintaining consistency and quality, it's and, really and, uh, good. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome.
3: Yeah. We're happy. So.
0: Yeah. And, and you're doing a couple of winemaker dinners coming up in Arizona.
3: Yes. Right. Why? Yeah. Why Arizona? Well, you got um, A lot of wine club members there. We do have a lot of wine club members there, and you know we try to we try to mix it up and move around and keep in front of people. Um. Yeah, we're at the Capitol Grill uh, in Scottsdale and then, great place. And then Wrigley, Wrigley matching in Phoenix. Uh, yeah. On the 15th and 16th. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be fun and we get great response. I think they're, they're close to sold out. Um,
0: yeah, I think it is sold. I think you can get on the waiting list. If anyone hears this and you want to, and, you, and you're in Arizona uh, area and you want to go, I think they're possibly it's might be getting close to it's getting yeah. close
3: but worth a check if you want to go to see if there's yeah. uh, some seats because it's going to be fun and yeah. um we're going to be pouring some some fun wines there i i'm not i don't think we have any greco left to pour but we'll probably pour uh the rose um and of sangio that we talked about um and uh and of course the the usual suspects but we also uh break out some fun vineyard designates that you don't see too often right. as a treat so that's the idea what, yeah. what
0: were you guys talking about with sam about this thursday is it this thursday that they're it's, doing the historical so this vineyard thurs, tasting
2: yeah so this thursday at uh sonoma's best um is the historic vineyard society tasting i believe there's five or six of you that are going to be there yes um bedrock um, I apparently there's um, Todd told me that there's a vertical of Monterosa coming from Louis and Martini. Oh, wow. um, and so yeah, there's a number of uh, really good wines. Are you Carmen, going to uh, that?
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. You guys are both going to I've that? got my ticket. Damn. Oh, I signed up. All right,
3: That's you want, Brian, you got to work? I got to work. Damn, <laughs> I'm uh, i we're going to that, but I'm gonna have uh, my cellar master George uh, pour for us that okay. night because cool. I've got. Uh, that's the Napa Valley Film Festival weekend, so right. I've, I, it's one of those nights you need to be at two places at once, and right. so we're gonna divvy up the work. Can and... you give us
2: a little dirt on your cellar master, and we can tease him about? Oh or yeah, off air. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, off air, of course. <laughs> well,
1: what a great interview.
3: That was fun, guys. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, me. this yeah. is
1: this is what we do, and we love what you do, obviously. Beautiful wines. Thank you. Always have. And you've been such a great guest with me before over on the radio station. I'm just happy you came on today. This is really the the podcast is really generating interest. It's also generating business, mm-hmm. which is perfect. That's what everybody would really like. And uh <clears throat> you know, Sam's been on it now a year and a half. Well, so today's our seventy-fifth episode, not right. quite a year and a half. Sure. Well, and uh, it's just fascinating because he's getting people all the time. Big buyers. I mean, they're coming in and spending a lot of well, money. Well,
0: just from all over the world, which is amazing to oh, us, that we, yeah. we have no idea how, Singapore. People, how people listen sometimes. <laughs> right. And,
2: and, and we, get... we had a guy last week, we had a gentleman on that... Um, uh, uh, Chris Leonard yeah. and, um, someone reached out that he's from St. Louis originally. Yeah. I know and someone. Chris. Yeah. I okay. Know. So someone reached out that yeah. was, is a listener from St. Louis and was going to go to his vendor there or his retailer there and pick up a bottle of his wine. Oh, that's and awesome. it's purely from the podcast. That's so great. Yeah. And
3: yeah.
1: we have friends in St. Louis and Joel was there and Jake Bilbo. Oh yeah. Um, Bill bro. Bill Skiro. bro. Yeah, yeah. I love Jake from Limerick. Yeah. Oh, isn't he a character? Oh, Man, he's he's a great. Guy. I
3: love him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And all the, they had, so they had a big Zen dinner
3: mm-hmm. and it was
1: perfect. Yeah, and it was we awesome heard a lot awesome. about it. I mean, yeah. we've yeah. been invited to come out there and do the show.
3: Yeah. But well, since you said that, <laughs> I'm going to, and before we go, I'd like to give a quick plug for my own brand. Oh, please. Please oh, please oh absolutely. Because yeah. I know Chris uh, Leonard um, has his little brand and yep. he's doing a great job with it. But I, so I'm, uh, Bialy's letting me make a little bit of wine here at the facility uh, which is really awesome. nice of them. Awesome, congratulations. And um, I'm having fun making a uh, Pinot Noir from Coombsville from the <laughs> Haynes Vineyard. Yeah. And it's so good. Why
2: um, you didn't pick a, a secondary vineyard, did you? No, I went yeah. right for the... I got lucky and <laughs> yeah.
3: found the source, and I'm loving it. Um, cool. So the 16 is uh, released. In fact, I'm having my release party this Saturday. Um, you can go to Aesop Wines. A-E-S-O-P, aesopwines.com to get information on that release party uh there'll be three wineries a band a caterer it's gonna be a lot of fun are you playing i'm not playing this time because um last time i wasn't able to talk to people it's hard to do both so i figure i want to spend more time chatting with people and hanging out where is this so it's going to be at a private residence on silverado trail it's a friend of mine's property just beautiful bocce court swimming pool open lawn um I forget the address, but it's on our website, um, and tickets are $30, um, and you get all of that. You get three wineries, three wineries each with multiple wines, uh, food and music. It's a fun day. Um, but you know, check out asopwines.com. We've got. Um, I'm making a Pinot Noir, like I said. I'm doing a Grenache from Red Hills, oh, um, awesome. and then I'm doing a um, Rosé of Sangiovese from the same vineyard that Bialy makes.
1: And 16 is your first release?
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah. So here we go. Wow. I'm hanging on, and we'll see you. That's what so happens. cool. But it's yeah. fun. It's super fun. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So and
0: how 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 would we get a hold of those wines?
3: Through the website, aesopwines.com. So,
0: A-E-S-O-P.wines.com. Wines.com, wines. yep. Okay.
3: Yeah. Uh, it's a great website. My partner um, designs the labels. He's a designer. He's really got a great um, eye and artistic, um, creative uh, side to him. And he uh, he designs the labels, the packaging, and the website. He does the social media. He puts all our flyers out. He's a really talented guy. So, it's perfect. You know, he makes it look good from the outside, and I'll right. make it taste good on the inside. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. and well, bring yeah. your
0: bring your uh, bathing suit and bikinis on there Saturday. Right. It sounds like there's a pool. <laughs> there <it> is. Yes, <laughs> we got it. We got a pool and a pond. <laughs> pond would be better for the you. The pond's good for you, uh, John. Pond scum. And how do you know Chris Leonard?
3: Well, he uh, just threw... you know he he makes Zinfandel, yeah. and so he came and uh, wanted to just taste his wine with Bob and I to get our opinion on it, and right. that was flattering to us. Yeah. yeah. And so he kind of made. Um, made a point to come and reach out to us. And we we got to know him and um, we just sat and talked about uh, variety and uh, we've helped him out. He's helped us out. So it's just become a friendship. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's good. Yeah. That's the way
1: the wine is out here, isn't it? Yeah. It's very much a community. Very, it's all, they're all friends, competitors.
3: Yes. But friends, but friends first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, um, thank you very much. Uh, uh, We appreciate your time and, um, we we'll look forward to tasting some wines going forward. And yeah,
0: thanks for inviting us over. here. It's nice to spend a day in Napa, guys. It has been. We went to uh, we went to lunch over at Gott's. Oh, and had, yeah. uh, just yeah. had fun, yeah. sure. especially after doing We're a. We're like show Napa this tourists.
2: Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody checked our our IDs at the border or anything. Right. Nope.
3: <laughs> <laughs> nope. Good for you. That sounds yeah. fun. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Well, trust yeah. getting.
1: Thank you very much for being on the winemakers. And uh, wine? how do we, how do we get a hold of the Bialy
3: wines? One last uh, time, if you yeah, don't mind. Yeah, that's Bialiwines.com. Mm-hmm. and uh, you can purchase there. You can sign up for the club. And which, which
0: can I just say at this point, it should be a no brainer if you want the um, if you want the Greco de Tufo, you want the Barbera, you, you want, want the, the Sangio. Fun stuff. Then you gotta sign up for the club. This so is true. just do it.
3: Yeah, it's worth it. Um, but yeah, so uh, pretty easy, and you can uh, you can also get an appointment to taste and visit us there too. So and no, your there. label one more time. Aesop, A E S O P, Aesop Wines. Yes. What was
0: uh, what was the reason for the name?
3: Well, we wanted to, um, you know, Aesop was a Greek philosopher. He was yeah. a fabulist yeah. um, who, um, Well, yeah. We all read those. Yeah, right? right. The tortoise and the hare and mm-hmm. all these stories that had morals and lessons and they were usually um, animal characters. And so we wanted the wine to be a story and to tell a story. And we just thought, you know, Aesop, um, we can pay homage to Um, Aesop but we can also go a million ways with this from a marketing standpoint each wine can be a story so each year the label is a different Mm -hmm. image and because it will remind us of what happened to that vintage so that's our story but it's also going to be your story depending on who you share that wine with or what's happening in your life with that vintage and so we just wanted to tie it into a um, story somehow and and Mm -hmm. rather than having a story we make the wine the story if that makes sense so it's just really an open-ended we could go so many ways with characters and things it's just it's going to be fun yeah that's awesome
0: well and we're going to be um this show's coming out we're pulling up on thanksgiving people want to get some thanksgiving wines right um Order them now, baby. Well, I'm going to say Chenin Blanc is one of my favorite things to have on Thanksgiving. So I'm going to say go to com and get some Chenin Blanc. and um, Might as well go to
1: uh, Winery 16600 or so. Well, and Zinfandel is one of my know. other
0: favorites on Thanksgiving. so Check out Bialy. That's mm-hmm. a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And um, Aesop. And Aesop. Aesop
3: Pinot Noir. Pinot from mm-hmm. Pinot for oh, yeah. with Turkey's really yeah. nice. Pino yeah, turkey is really nice. I'm going to have to good. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Order it right now. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah.
1: All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, John. Thanks.